Welcome to the Cafe for Christian Thought. Last time, we had a look at a discussion around eschatology, in particular, the pre-trib rapture, and how we didn't think it holds up with the biblical evidence. Today, we're doing something different. We are actually referring to one of our recent articles and how you can use this to have conversations with skeptics, if you're a Christian, or if you're a skeptic, Use this as a guide to allow you to examine different issues at stake here and have a think about where you actually land on certain questions around issues such as morals, existence and consciousness, logic, maths, music, art, consciousness and mind, but from a slightly different perspective, factoring in quantum physics fine-tuning and existence of life and the universe, the idea of a hidden or evil God. Why do we actually live in such an evil and terrible world if God actually exists? And if he does exist, why does it seem that he doesn't? We also have a look at concepts in the Bible, such as slavery. What do they actually mean? Is it the same as how we interpret it? Was this set down as I ideal form of God's law, or was it more of a compromise? We also have a look at Jesus. So we have a look at the historicity of the resurrection, questions around that, who Jesus thought he was, how he can apply historical criteria, such as dissimilarity, embarrassment, and multiple attestation, to make assessments as to which events in the Gospels are historic, which are less easily substantiated, and how do we build a basis from this as to who we think Jesus was. We also briefly touch on New Testament reliability, which I might stress is not a necessary belief for you to hold to Jesus rising from the dead or for God existing, but it is something that comes up quite a bit in these types of conversations. We then also have a look at the uniqueness of Christianity. What I'm going to do now is just very briefly touch on some questions from each of these key categories, and then encourage you to have a further look at the article itself. If we have a look first at existence and consciousness, a key question to ask yourself here is, do you actually exist? And are you able to separate yourself from physical processes inside your head is there any sort of difference between the brain and the mind are you any different to random chemical reactions which ultimately have no purpose those types of questions are covered in the first section on existence and consciousness when we have a look at the topic of morals we have a look at the idea of is what is right and wrong something that is immaterial outside of our pure chemical reactions in our minds? Or is it somewhat of an illusion? If we say human flourishing is the point of everything, how do we actually define human flourishing? And if we venture into transhumanism in the near future, why stop at human flourishing? Why not have transhuman flourishing? 
How would it be immoral if transhuman or more evolved humans killed less evolved humans? How is this any different from a shark eating a seal? If everything is about survival of the fittest, why is there anything wrong with an elite human killing a disabled one? We also have a bit of a look at consistency of thinking. So what we mean by this is, if someone cannot help the way that they are because they're de determined by pure chemical reactions, and that's all of us, right, according to that certain worldview, then Christians can't help being Christians. So why would we expect them to change when arguments are presented to them? We have to think about the implications of such a worldview and to what extent they take us. You can't just say in one side, sorry, one set of issues that everything is determined by pure chemical reactions and then in the other set of issues act as if there's somehow will, intent and logic. You have to be consistent. And this leads to the closing question of this section, which is, is child torture and rape really wrong? And will it ultimately matter in the long run if you do such things? So even if everyone in the world thought it was good and made them happy, is there still something wrong with it? If so, why? We then have a look at logic, maths, music, and art. The whole idea of why do these things seem transcendent and outside of our pure, physical, random, personal experience. We then also touch on consciousness and mind a bit more. And we have a look at quantum physics. So for example, John von Neumann saying, all real things are contents of consciousness. Eugene Wigner thought that consciousness was fundamental. So how do we factor this in and then say, well, consciousness is just an accidental byproduct of evolution? We also have a look at how can you have a personal nature if an impersonal cosmic energy created you? We then also turn to fine-tuning and the existence of life and the universe. We ask ourselves, does chance flip a coin or does it reflect the probability of outcomes when a coin is flipped? We have a look at the various constants which seem to be finely tuned and we ask those who like to use Occam's razor why they love to point to the idea of a multiverse with an infinite amount of universes in there or near infinite amount of universes in there as a means of explaining what exists here rather than positing a simpler, less numerous explanation. We have a look then at the idea of a hidden or evil God. Could it be possible that God had morally sufficient reasons to allow evil? Is God detached from evil? And we have a quote from Albert Camus. Christ the God-man suffers too with patience. Evil and death no longer be entirely imputed to him since he suffers and dies. The night on Golgotha is so important in the history of man only because in its shadow, the divinity ostensibly abandoned its traditional privilege and lived through to the end. Despair included the agony of death. 
After that section, we turn to Jesus. We have a look at the historical criteria we can use to establish Jesus considering himself the Son of Man, who, according to Daniel 7, was a figure which Jewish binatarians thought was somewhat of a second God, although they believed God was one, this was somewhat of a second person of a Godhead. We see this son of man was given dominion, power, glory, and comes in the clouds when they are things only due to God. In the Old Testament, Jesus is charged with blasphemy for calling himself the son of man and applies passages relating to Yahweh to himself. So given this is who Jesus thought he was, how do we then explain the minimal facts which Habermas and Lacona have broken down? So Jesus died by crucifixion. We can establish that through Greek and Roman sources. Disciples claim to have post-mortem appearances of Jesus. We can establish that without touching the Gospels. Paul was suddenly changed. You can look at Clement of Rome mentioning that. James was suddenly changed. You can look at Hegesippus and Josephus. And then the tomb was empty, which we can use to refer to an early creed from 1 Corinthians 15. So how do we explain all of this? in light of who Jesus thought he was. And notice here, we're not assuming the Bible is God's word at all. We do also briefly touch on some textual issues as well. And we also note that Bart Ehrman believes that what Christians believe today is in effect the same as what they believed back then. The core doctrines are the same. Can have a look at that quote in question 182. We then close off by looking at the uniqueness of Christianity. So are you perfect? And if not, and God exists, how do you get there? Why did Napoleon and Gandhi note such unique aspects of Christ's character? Who do you think Christ was? And how do you think Christianity rapidly grew and spread despite being under the most vicious persecution? In the end, who do you think Jesus was and why did he die? Was he a lord, liar, lunatic or legend, a blasphemer or divine? For anyone exploring or wanting to have further conversations about this, I definitely encourage you to have a closer look at this article. It's included in the description of this podcast.